The lens cap is still on that if you were looking why it didn't work. <laughs> okay, all right. That's, it's just like the, the sermon with the binoculars, you know, leave the lens caps on, you can't see anything, you know. And our lives that we've got to open up our eyes and take the lens cap off to see what God is doing. Well, today we're continuing our message on humility, and um, I've been learning a lot about this, this little word and this, um, the definition that we give it, and also how that it is presented to us in Scripture. And it is kind of a, you know, a word that has fallen on hard times, that it is a word that is not used very often. And if we look at our um, society, we look at our sports figures, very few of them that are the ones who are on the front page, we would consider them anything but humble. We would consider, you know, we would think that um, the more aggressive and arrogant and more brash you are, the, 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 the better you are, you know, those types of things. But in the scriptures, it doesn't present us with that idea of being successful or being in favor with God. It, it speaks to us about being humble. And hu- humility or humble says not thinking you are better than other people. And the other definition is more disciplined strength and other-centered. Disciplined strength and other-centered power. That's the extra word. Other-centered power. Now, whenever we are thinking of humility, we have many concepts about it, and many, most of our concepts are false. They're wrong. Humility is not becoming a doormat so that everybody walks over you and wipes their feet on you. <laughs> That's not being humble. Uh, being humble, and you know, I'm, I'm humble and I'm proud of it, you just lost it. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult word to really translate into our, into our lives because whenever we think we're humble, then we've lost it. And whenever we think about being humble, we think of it in the context of basically being a doormat. And in all of these, both of those extremes are completely out of place. So one of the thoughts is recognizing, well, we're nobody else. But the idea, how does that translate into service? How does that translate into becoming or doing? And, and how, does it, how does it translate into being stalwart? And how does it translate into be, uh, come boldly into the throne of God? How does it work into the idea that all things are possible to him who believes? You know, say unto this mountain and be moved and it'll move. How does being humble fit into those aggressive powerful words well hopefully we'll find out so philippians chapter 2 is where we started last week and uh, we begin i'll read the same verses we started with but i won't speak about them too in-depthly chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 if you've gotten this is paul writing to the church at philippi and this section is um paul is talking to the the church at philippi about how that jesus took on the status of a slave, okay? Jesus, God, came to be, took on the status of a slave. If you've gotten anything, this is what he writes to the Philippians, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, 
love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. And, and I, I was thinking of this in the context of, of agreeing is not, not being that everybody think the same thoughts. No one, <laughs> no, nobody's going to, no, it's not a chance. We're all going to think the same thoughts. But it's saying here that we agree in a, in a spirit of love. And that this love is accepting one another and accepting each other's views and, and positions and things like that in a spirit of love so that we can find, as it were, the direction or what is the wisdom of the application that we're all talking about. And so as we look at this, uh, Paul is telling the church of Philippi, you know, hey, people, you need to agree. You need to agree in this deep spirit of friends and I, I like, I know that in the, whenever we start the church service and things, it's okay, let's get going here, you know. <laughs> we, we start at 10 o'clock, and what will happen is, see, sometimes we'll, 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 we'll be on our way, get ready for church. Well, they're not really going to start at 10. It'll probably about, be about 10 after, so we don't really have to hurry. So then we get to know, well, you know, they really don't start at 10 after. It's usually about 20 after. And the next thing you know, people aren't, we're not starting until 10.30, quarter 11. And, you know, next thing you know, we're starting and we're finishing at 12. Amen. Okay, so, <laughs> we, but whenever we look at this, he said, this deep spirit of friends, we look at this and, and we see how that this deep spirit of friendship exists, and that's why you like to have that happen at the beginning of the service and being able to talk to people. It's just like, we'd like to get together more often and talk more often, but we only do it on Sunday morning or maybe in a call or meet somebody during the week. But this deep spirit of friendship. And then Paul tells them, after you have this deep spirit of friendship, he says, don't push your way to the front. (laughs) Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Help others get ahead. Um, One of the, uh, John Maxwell in his um, uh, personal growth development and things like that, he has this whole whole series on how that if you want to get where you want to, you know, if you want to rise to the top in your profession, help other people get where they want to be. If you help other people get where they want to be, you'll end up being at the top. And it's right from this type of, of positioning that we're looking at our life, recognizing that in giving, we're not losing. <laughs> that in giving, we're not losing. Because we are trusting God that he is going to you know, the resources of God are not depleted because we use them. So using the resources of God is to our benefit because we're allowing God to flow through us through his divine provision as we continue to meet the needs of others. Now, it's, you know, again, it's within reason of his spirit and reason of, of, of what, the God, what God is speaking to us. It's not like, okay, sell everything you got, go into debt, and borrow everything you can, give to the church, and God will provide. No, it's not what God is saying. He didn't say that at all. He tells us that we are responsible to give and we are responsible to trust, but yet from a spirit that, God, you don't owe me, but God, you have provided for me. There's a whole different different arena there. You know, we've all known individuals who have done things for us, and then after a short period of time, they want it back. You owe me. There's strings attached you know, there's strings attached. You know, we're just going to pull. <laughs> we, you, we did this for you. Now you've got to do something for me. And in the spirit of humility, in the spirit of what Christ is teaching us, it is a spirit of giving because we want to give. 
because it is in our heart to give. It is, in, it is part of our character to give. So put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your, to, getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Okay? Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. So that's kind of where we left off last week. Then we begin at verse 5. Paul says it this way. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Now, wait a minute. Think of yourself in the same way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. We are putting ourselves on an equal status with Jesus Christ. I think that's quite an elevated position. (laughs) But put yourself at the same place. Think of yourself the same way Jesus thought of himself. And he had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to that advantage. So here's, here's God himself, who has divested himself of all of the you know, powers of, of God so that he could become human, become like us. And he is telling us then, okay, when you're approaching life, I want you to approach this the same way Jesus approached it. I want you to be on the same level as Jesus. Well, Jesus walked on water. (laughs) Jesus rose the dead. Jesus broke five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000. Yeah. And your point is? Well, we can't do that. Well, why not? You see, (laughs) we diminish the value that God has placed in you. Think about the abilities you have in your mind, in your heart, your talents, everything. Think of, I mean, all that you've got. We are, we, are make, we are having an impact on everyone around us. We are having an impact on all the people around us. We are investing ourselves in other people because we're, because we're even talking to them, smiling at them, welcoming, welcoming them, talking to them during the week, talking to people. We have a continuous impact upon people's lives. You know, and we think of, anybody ever watch that roadshow thing? You know, they bring in, you bring in this stuff, you know, present it before the guy, and the guy looks at it. He goes, well, how much did you pay for that? You know, oh, I dug it out of the closet. It was my great-grandfather's whatever, and I think he bought it for three bucks, you know. And it's, well, you're lucky that's worth 300000 <laughs> you know. You know, so all of us are looking through all of our trash, wanting to find a $300,000 item. I haven't found it. You know, I didn't find it. Rhonda, we had it. We were uh, cleaning. They were cleaning out the house, and we took a chest of drawers up to the Goodwill, and, and uh, you know, we didn't know if they would take it or not. And, and afterwards, you know, she came back, and she said, oh, this is, this is a good one. And I was thinking, oh, it was a good one. Why did we give it away, you know? <laughs> If that was so good, why did we give it away? You know, and I think oh, I was kicking myself. Oh, geez, that, that person knew it was worth money, and they took it from us and didn't give us a dime, you know. And then Rhonda's looking on Facebook. Of course, not me, her. She's looking on Facebook. And what does she see? But one of her students had went to Goodwill and paid $15 for a Chester drawer, and they were restoring it at their house and painting it and they had a picture of it on. She called them up 
and it was ours. <laughs> we took it up in the morning. They picked it up in the afternoon. Well, the next morning. That's close enough. So we look at this, and what are we doing? We gave something away that someone else needed, and in the transition, the people who were doing the handling, you know, were able to make some money on it to keep the handling process going. But if we don't take what we have and give it away, no one else is ever going to benefit from it. No one is going to benefit. Now, we think of tomorrow we're doing um, the golf tournament, and it's a benefit for not, I'm not conducting it. <laughs> I'm going to set it a hole and measure closest to the pin, you know. <laughs> you know, all day I'll be watching golf balls fly down, hope I don't get hit, and then we'll measure the closest one, closest one wins a prize. That's, that's my goal for the whole day tomorrow. <laughs> but it's for um, Ann Smith, Mike, Mike Smith and Mike, you know, don't miss this one commercial, you know, Mike, Mike and Matt. Well, anyhow, um, Anne was an individual who was a school teacher here in Winber, and Rhonda knew her, and I only knew her just prior to her death. And uh, her husband, because of her illness with ovarian cancer, wanted to have a benefit to raise money for the Ovarian Cancer Society and, you know, helping that type of cancer, those victims. And I was thinking of it in the context, I do the prayer. <laughs> you know, I have the opening prayer. And I've been privileged to do that for, for a number of years. And I was thinking of it in the context that here's an individual that most of the people in this room, that, the, you know, the Sunny Anna, that have never met. And she, you know, she died a number of years ago. But the impact of her life is such that it motivates people to give so that people that she never knew will be helped in their life. Now, in our lives, we don't know what that is. We don't know how you're going to help someone else. We don't know the benefit. But you see, the life that we live has an impact on other people. Now, whether it is an immediate impact or a long-term impact, it has an impact. We have an impact on people's lives. And it doesn't come because we're the most arrogant person on the planet. It becomes because we have learned how to serve people at their level of need. And that's what Jesus did. He came to meet people at their level of need. And their level of need, some of them, <laughs> they were out in the middle of, of, uh, the, you know, they're out in this hillside and had nothing to eat, and Jesus said, what do you got? I got five loaves and two fishes. We'll take care of that. That's enough. And we look at this, and God over and over again emphasizes to us, what do you have in your hands? What do you have in your mind, your heart, your talents? What do you have? Let me bless it. Let me bless it. Not from a perspective of arrogance. Look at my talents. <laughs> No, look at what God has placed in our hearts. Now, um, uh, somewhere I have this. In, in uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to uh, 40, 
This is Jesus speaking. When he finally arrives blazing in beauty, this is speaking about the end of times. When Jesus finally arrives blazing in beauty and all of his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out. God is going to sort us out. Much as, sheep, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who, have blessed, who are blessed by my father. Now this is important. Enter, you who are blessed by my father. And this is, this is the context that these people don't know they're blessed. They don't consider themselves blessed. Take what's coming to you in the kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. Wait a minute. These are the blessed of God? The blessed of God are the people who fed the hungry. The blessed of God are the people who gave a drink to those who were thirsty. The blessed of God are the ones who saw the homeless and gave them a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see uh, you sick or in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Humility is no one is beneath the gift that you possess. No one is beneath the gift that you possess. Because we see right here that enter you who are blessed of my Father. The very little things of life that, you, that we share with other people are the blessings that God has given to us. And that no one is beneath your gift. <laughs> so humility is saying Jesus, he is the creator of the universe. He spoke the world into existence. He breathed into man and made him a living soul. And his creation is not beneath him being exactly like us. And coming to be with us, to walk with us, to live with us, to die for us, and give us hope. No one, God himself, and what are we doing? We're taking on the status of Jesus. Taking on the status of Jesus that I am capable because of Jesus, I am capable of giving my greatest gifts to the least of people. Wow. I am capable of giving my greatest gifts to the least of people. And when I do that, I will make a difference in their life and I am give, I'm gaining rewards in eternity. 
And when I see that how the God is giving me these gifts and allowing me to share them with other people, there is no decline in my ability to give. There is no draining of the reservoir that I am coming from because it is a divine reservoir that I am drawing upon. And God is using this to bless other people. And in the process, he's blessing you. So, so tomorrow, we'll, they'll raise maybe 100, 200, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, maybe less than 100,000, I'm not sure. But they'll raise all this money again, and it'll go to ovarian cancer. But how that people are able to give of what they have to make a difference for people they'll never met, excuse me, they are able to give for a cause of an individual they've never met, and they'll give to that cause to help people they'll never meet. And yet, in the process, make a difference in their life and the lives of others. But we do that all the time. We do that every day of our life, whenever we serve God, we allow God to move in our hearts and lives, we make a difference. And you see, we think of ourselves the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. He had the status, he had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. He did not cling to the idea, I'm God. Now, he's hanging on the cross. What do the religious people say? If you're really God, you come down. If you're really the Messiah, come down. We'll believe in you. We'll, we'll believe if you get off of the cross and come down here. And Jesus said, you don't take my life. I give it. I'm not here because, I'm not stuck up here because of the nails. I'm here because I love you. And he was giving of himself to the least of people, us. You see, Jesus, when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible, humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So you see, we humble ourselves, and you know, hum humility is not an activity. Humility is not an activity. Humility is an action. Humility is an action. It is a part of a character. It is a character trait. Character, some would say a character flaw, you know what, you just give too much. You're just too soft-hearted. You just allow people to pull the wool over your eyes. You just, no. We give because there is part, there's a character trait in us that is divine. There is a character, there's a part of our character that is divine, and that part is God. And that, that is what, that part of us that wants to help people who can't help themselves, people who are the lowest, people who are, don't have the ability to care for themselves, do the things for themselves. That part in us that is moved towards them to help them, that is God. 
I mentioned last week Lillian Thrasher Orphanage in Egypt. Uh, and I, I did a little more reading on it. I just remember it as a child. I remember my mom talking about her and, and you know, all the things that, that uh, she did. And I, and, I, and, and I forget what year it was. In, oh, anyhow, about 1910, somewhere in there, she, a young woman, penniless, felt that God wanted her to go to Africa. And she had been working in an orphanage here in the United States. I think she was about 18, 19 years old. And she left here to go to a mission field in Africa, Egypt. And while she was there, first day she was there, or first few days she was there, someone called for them to come to their house. And it was a grandmother who was dying and said, please take care of my child. And that's where she started in an orphanage. And 10,000 people later, 50 years of service, penniless, she started in a foreign country to do something for people that were on the other side of the earth because she felt that God was calling her. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of, wrong, of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. <laughs> that people will see your good deeds. These people over there, they didn't want Christianity. They, didn't, they still don't want Christianity. But that orphanage is still going on. It is still part of the ministry and still part of how people minister and meet the needs of others. So humility then... Sounds like it's the wrong side of humility. Humility, then, is recognizing the value of the cup of cold water that somebody else needs, and you give it to them. You recognize the need, recognize what you have, and how that God can best use you to transfer that to their lives. That's what Jesus did. And that compassion that we feel is a character trait of God, is the character of God in us. To us, it's just a trait. It's just because it's not our whole consuming life, but it's part of who we are. And we never know how far that cup of cold water will go. We never know the distance that it will reach in a person's life. And perhaps it will be something that they remember right up until the day when Jesus returns and rewards you for it. Amen? Let's stand. So, humility. Not thinking you are better than other people but it is a disciplined strength and other-centered power, other-centered power to lift. <laughs> so as we touch people's lives, you know, it isn't like we make, you know, let me, let me, let me pick you up here. <laughs> no, let me serve you. Let me serve you and give this to you. 
and we recognize that God is the one who has given us the gift to give. And he has promised that he will always continuously replenish it. Father, thank you for the blessings of this day. And God, we pray that we might see the humility of you to become like us. And that God, you became like us so that we could become like you. And that God, that we could have the blessings and the gifts and the power and, and, and the presence of you, Lord, working in our lives. Truly, we are blessed. So let us not build bigger barns to house our resources, but let us see ways of investing them in the kingdom of God that it will continue to grow and raise, raise dividends for the rest of life. So whether it is in our cup of cold water, whether it is in feeding the hungry, whether it is in caring for the orphan, whatever the need is that comes to our heart and our lives by our neighbor and our friends, God, quicken our hearts by your spirit to give of the gift that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. God bless you.